show with a shout-out, Rory. A shout-out to a former colleague. David Alter, one-time Fan 590 reporter. I have scanned the Twitterverse. He has the best remaining bracket. Three of four he picked for the final four of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. David had Boston, Carolina, Vegas, St. Louis, Scratch the Golden Knights, Pretty good work there by Mr. Alter. I only Excellent bring it up. Photoshop skills, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Photoshop skills. And by the way, he had Vegas winning the Stanley Cup, so I guess we can stop giving him kudos now. But in this topsy-turvy spring, uh, pretty good by him. Pretty good by me. 50%. St. Louis and San Jose. Can you hear that clap? Zero <laughs> percent for the guy who always picks the Stanley Cup winner that goes out in four straight in the first round. Yeah, it's maddening to me because Dallas looked like they were going to get through. They yeah, were one we of my had Western the Conference of our finalists. There, yeah, say I had St. Louis, you had Dallas, yeah, and I was for me the, my Western Conference champ was either going to be Vegas or San Jose, and I just went with the wrong one there. That's and, that's and how it goes. A, and once again, I went with the right one. We're going to talk about <laughs> the right ones: the San Jose Sharks, the St. Louis Blues facing off for the second time in three years in the Western Conference Final and also the Carolina Hurricanes battling the Boston Bruins for Eastern Conference supremacy. But before we get to the teams that made it through, let's put a bow on the seasons of the the clubs that saw the dream die in round two because there are some really intriguing teams that did well just to get to where they landed before getting bounced, especially in the East. You've got the Islanders who shocked the world by making the playoffs and subsequently being after sweeping Pittsburgh being swept out by Carolina. But let's start with the Columbus blue jackets, the way GM Yarmo Kekalina went all in the way they disposed of Tampa Bay. The fact there was always a good team underneath there before they went out and got Matt Duchesne, when they pulled ahead 2-1 in that series after Game 3, it was getting hard not to believe in the Blue Jackets. I think it's entirely my fault that they lost because at that point, a friend of mine from Chicago who we kind of just met virtually a long time ago, and he was asking me, like, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Who's now the Stanley Cup favorite? And like, nobody knows anything. I, I don't know, but I kind of get the feeling it's Columbus. And then, <laughs> they, they, yeah. As soon as we started I, thinking of them as favorites instead of underdogs. Yeah, exactly. Boston gets gets going here. You know, it was really interesting to see the two similar styles of the team, and kudos to Boston for uh, transitioning from, you know, Toronto's less physical, speedier game and and going back to a more comfortable style for the Bruins against Columbus, you know, that heavier kind of hockey, a little bit slower. You know, it, it's a shame. I think a lot of people were cheering for Columbus, partly because a lot of people in Toronto, Canada, maybe are cheering against the Bruins, but they were the team that really took a the biggest risk at the trade deadline. They, they made the most fans. They converted yes. the most people, yes. no doubt, in the past three months. And it was it was working out. Like, Ryan Dezingle, his biggest payoff was in the regular season down the stretch. Matt Duchesne was excellent in the playoffs. And now you just look at this going into the summer, and it really comes down to, does Matt Duchesne stay or not? You, there's no way it seems like Panarin and Bobrovsky are going to hang around. Warm Dezingle, and fuzzy after aside it yeah. just seems like when the sober light of day hits in the weeks and months after they're gonna yeah. s- the original plan is going to come back exactly ryan dezingle probably tests that market uh, you know his value right now to sign up before might be a little bit too high but duchene is the guy 
who it seemed like he was open to sticking around when they departed in their in their press conferences after they were eliminated. Um, but if you lose him, you're going into next season now with Pierre Luc Dubois as your number one center, which is fine. But then there's a the little bit of a question mark as to who's going to be that that number two. I think you've still got some promise. On the wings, guys like Josh Anderson, good season. Oliver Bjorkstrand, young guy. He had a, a a season where he took a step forward. Cam Atkinson, obviously, is your big star. If you can get Duchesne to stick around, you now still have a strength down the middle. Boone Jenner is your number three, and that's going to be really important. It's going to be something that if Duchesne leaves, really, really difficult for Yarmo Kekalainen to fill. So if you keep him there with the defense they have, obviously there's going to be questions in goal, but from what we've seen from the Hurricanes and the Islanders this year, you can possibly find a goaltender that helps you next year. It's really, really crucial that they continue on with that center depth. And the question is just, what do you pay Matt Duchesne on an extension? Like, is that eight or $9 million? How high does that go? Like, it's such a valuable position, but at the same time... Eight, eight feels pretty good to me. Eight, eight, I think I would be okay with. Is it eight, eight though, or is it eight, six... You know, I, I I don't know what the answer to that question is. He he's a tough one to kind of figure out here because his career's kind of been really good and then slowed down and then excellent season this year again. How in are you on on Duchesne? Yeah. I mean, I think the circumstances are unique in that they're going to see some big names move out the door. I mean, if anything, Kekalainen has demonstrated he's not susceptible to outside pressures, but you do kind of wonder if there's part of him saying, well, can we keep one of these guys? You know, will yeah. I go, will, will I inch a little bit up to keep one of these guys? Speaking of keeping guys, many of the same questions facing the Islanders, Jordan Eberle, Brock Nelson, Captain Honors Lee. Uh, hello. Does this sound familiar? The captain of the New York Islanders headed toward free agency and maybe most crucially Robin Leonard, who was um, such a linchpin for that team. And uh, just, you know, really, I think formed, so much of the basis of the spirit of that team and, and was great along with Thomas Grice. I mean, I, my sense from a million miles away has always been, and again, stop us if this feels familiar. You know, I, I assume Anders Lee was probably going to stick around. Mm-hmm. I feel like they find a way to get it done with Leonard. Yep. They made such great progress this year in a, in a season when nobody expected anything from this team under Barry Trotz. What do you think the future looks like for the Islanders and, and which of these guys do you think some are going to go, but yes. do you think there's a good chance a couple of the key ones stay? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're building a culture out there, right? And if, if it's something that these guys want to play for, you want, you want to play for Barry Trotz. Obviously the, the way he improved this team rapidly in one season is extremely promising. So I'm I'm sure he sold a bunch of these guys on just sticking around. Maybe we can have another crack at, at this cup here in, in the next couple of years. With Laner, obviously just an amazing, an amazing season for him. But if there's one thing we learned this year, it's very clear that you need a goalie to start 45 games, 50 games. So if you can go on with a split, Thomas Grice is still under contract and he also had a really great season. So again, like what are you paying Robin Lehner? Well, Gr- it- Grice is making three, three. And I have to believe if you go to Leonard and say, how's three, five sound for the next That's three years, right? Absolutely. absolutely. It's a matter of is, is Leonard going to go, you know, with 
all everything I had going on in my life. You know, he uh, battled with mental health issues that, you know, that's obviously an ongoing battle, but the story is pretty well known that he's gotten himself to a much better place. He clearly feels like a big part of that team. Are you, can you leave a little dough on the yeah. board to say, I'll stay here because this, this situation really works for me. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. If you can keep the two of them combined, Grice and Laner between six and $7 million, I think that's the sweet spot. Pretty good. That's what, you know, Corey Crawford is getting on his own. Corey Schneider is getting on his own. That's kind of the going rate for some of these number ones who do play a lot of games. You start to go higher than that. And that's when it becomes a bit of a tougher pill to swallow uh, for me. But, you know, going forward for this team as a whole, even assuming they keep, you know, 90% of these UFAs, you still have to look at the rest of this division. Um, Philadelphia's got a new coach and a lot of weapons, potential to make some trades moves this summer. You know, they they seem like they're uh, a team on the rise there. The, the New York Rangers... They they seem like they could do just about anything yeah. this summer, and they, summer they've added card. some some really good prospects over the last couple of years. They're going to have a couple of first round picks again this and, summer. And they might sign Eric Carlson. They might sign Eric Carlson. They might sign Artemi Panarin. Exactly. John Davidson might leave. They might sign both Columbus <laughs> for the Rangers, <laughs> right. and he's got that relationship with them. Um, you know, Henrik Henrik Lundqvist has said that before that he's he wants to stay here through this rebuild or whatever. Vitali Kravtsov, great year in the KHL. He just signed. He's going to come over. Um, you know, if they go all in and they spend a lot of money, we are going to be looking at the Rangers a heck of a lot differently going into next season too. So, you know, I'm not sold that this is going to be a continual no. climb up for the We Islanders. don't live in that world in the NHL anymore, just given how tight it is. Yep. That you, you, the Islanders could come back. Leonard and Grice could play great. They could keep honors Lee and have a good season and miss the playoffs by three points yep. and have Philly jump them. Absolutely. And, you know, any number of teams that we aren't talking about right now who are, yep. you know, the New Jersey Devils are going to draft first overall. So, yes, absolutely. It's it, it's a mis- unless you're this might sound strange, but unless you're Tampa Bay mm-hmm. or probably Toronto or Boston, you you can't even start the year anymore going, oh, yeah, well, we're going to get in. Like, that's just not how it works. Right. And, and even this year, two Metro teams got both of the wild cards and. Montreal's right sure. there. Florida's a team Florida, that seems to be coming example. up. So they're going to be taking these uh, runs at these spots too. And, sure. and you look at the Islanders and say, yeah, they're a great defensive team, but especially if they lose more of these UFAs than we're thinking right now, the, that future, that outlook for next year could be is, a half step back. Yeah, for sure. it's a bit cloudy. For All sure. right, let's rock through these Western Conference teams. Also, you know, both teams that you could say, probably maybe not today, but overall have to feel pretty good about getting to the second round as they entered as wild cards. I mean, lots to like in Colorado, especially, I mean, Kale McCarr, uh, you know, just from an on ice perspective in terms of what they've added to that team, almost one of the stories of the playoffs. I mean, Dallas in this crazy year where, you know, the, the president of, of hockey ops is saying, you know, <laughs> our, our top guys are absolute garbage and basically goes to the nuclear option. They end up um, getting into the second round and, and being an amazing Ben Bishop game uh, that close to, you know, getting one goal to pushing through to the Western conference final. So, um, you know, different, I, I do think all that stuff we just said aside about, you know, it not always being a straight linear, path up for 
for teams. I mean, Colorado's clearly trending in the right way. And, and Dallas, so you look at that defense core adding uh, Haskin in this year. I mean, y- you have to feel pretty good overall about where they are as well. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, uh, you can easily make the argument that they are sitting in the best position for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. Drafting fourth The Rangers are also well in there, year. but yeah, you're drafting fourth. You've got... Guys already accumulated, guys already playing. Yeah. Mega, mega star Nathan McKinnon, who's young and on a great deal. Great, great contract. You've got right now projected $32.6 million in cap space going into the summer. And that's before the cap goes up to 83. So add another $4 million or so on, on top of that. Your big question is Miko Rantanen is an RFA this year. But considering McKinnon is on that $6.3 million deal, like... I can't imagine that Rantanen goes exceedingly higher than that, but that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, you can feel good about letting Semyon Varlamov go now. Like That was something through the season where Philip Grubauer came in, you traded for him, you signed him, the expectation was he was going to take over, and then he was awful for most of the season. And their whole turnaround, because remember there was that spot in the middle of the year where they were the worst team in the league. Right. They, they had, had no like goal an game losing streak. Yeah, yeah. and... Then Philip Grubauer got into that groove, and he looked great in the playoffs too. So now you feel really good that we've got a goalie signed for the next two years at $3.3 million. We can let Varlamov go from his 5.9 deal. We can find another guy to tandem with Grubauer going forward. You got the fourth overall pick. You mentioned Kale McCarr, just fabulous. Him, um, Tyson Berry, Sam Girard, I mean, that's half of your defense core there. Excellent puck movers, excellent skaters, complemented by shutdown guys, Ian Cole, Eric Johnson. Like, that is such a strength. Remember, that was a massive weakness for this team a year or two ago, and now it's undeniably their number one strength. You go into the summer, you can try and do something to bring in a little bit more scoring, Um, try and make a second scoring line there. That's what they have to figure out, but tons of cap room. Tons of assets. Joe Sackick can really explore all options this season. You have to feel great about this team. So Dallas goes out on the overtime goal. Colorado doesn't go out on the offside call, but obviously it didn't help. Uh, Captain Gabriel Landeskog just not moving quick enough to get into the Jump bench. Jump over the board. What, what did you make of the call? What do you make of that whole scene? Well, I mean, I hate. This, these are why I hate instant replay. Plays like this. Um, we're really like parsing it down or is this is a skate off is a skate like a millimeter into the zone or whatever it is it's not what the rule was meant for yeah it drives me nuts um but at the same time this comes down to the players it comes down to the guys on the bench opening the door for him or landis jumping over the boards to Take it upon or someone, to get or off someone the ice. who doesn't have their back turned to the play, screaming, yes. "Get the f off!" Yes, get off! Yes, right. Jump! Yeah. Exactly. So you know we can hate replay all we want, and and that's totally fair. But but that play lands on the, the coaches, the players on the bench, the player himself exiting. There's got to be. Um, there's got to be more urgency on that play to to hurry up and get off. Well, in Colorado, you know, they'll be talking about that one for a few days. From the other side of the coin, the San Jose perspective, the return of Captain Joe Pavelski. Little Joe, I guess, if, if Joe Thornton is Big Joe. But, man, Pavelski, certainly the beating heart of that team. We're going to talk about the San Jose Sharks, St. Louis Blues, Western Conference Final. Stick around. Coming up right on the other side of the break.
The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. Net sliding around on the way to pond hockey? Use the built-in load stop to help keep them in place. Loading what seems like half a team's worth of bags? The tailgate also turns into a step for easier access and has an inner gate that flips down for unloading all the gear you can fit. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade. Welcome back to Tape to Tape Rory. We had kind of one of the all-time win it for X moments last year when I think basically the entire world that didn't have a dog in the fight was hoping Alex Ovechkin would, would get his cup. I don't know if we're quite to that level with Joe Thornton, but we're about to get a lot of win one for big Joe here. Final four. He turns 40 in July. Hell of a career going to the hall of fame. And this is realistically probably the best look San Jose is going to get at it with this current group. Yeah, probably. I mean, they have, they have younger players too that are going to be around for a bit, right? So I don't think this necessarily closes the window, but Joe Thornton is 39 years old. He's not the player he was four or five years ago anymore. He's on the third line of this team now. Um, but he he has been playing very well for them, for sure. He's part of this terrific offense that they have. Um, it's just a matter of it, his time in the league is quickly running out. And you got to wonder, like, if they do win the Cup this year, is that it for him? Is so, it the Ray Bohr? It's also a matter of Tampa Bay is not going to be waiting in the final too, right? I mean, no, no exactly. slight against Boston's a great team. Yep. Uh, Carolina's a great team. We'll get to our picks later, but you know, they don't have to go through a seven game slog with a Winnipeg team that is cresting or, yep. you know, um, there's, there's not two in their prime heavyweights. There's waiting for them in, in round three and round four. If they get there, there's two good teams. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, you think back to 2016. So this West final is a rematch of the 2016 West final. Um, San Jose and St. Louis since 2000 have the second and fifth most regular season points in the league and no Stanley Cups to show for that. That 2016 run for both of them represented their best playoff runs over the last 19 years, 20 years. Um, And then... You look at the next two years after that, and you could see the window had maybe closed on both of them. You know, St. Louis, St. Louis missed the playoffs. Selling. St. Louis is selling St. at the deadline. Yeah, they were the they were bottom of the league in the standings halfway through the year. They missed the playoffs last year. You know, San Jose after losing in the Cup final to Pittsburgh, they lose in round one to Edmonton. They get skated around by Vegas last year, and it just looked like the game, game was starting to pass. In the That's line. it exactly. And now here they are again. Both of these also ran. You know, San Jose. <laughs> I, I the only reason I didn't pick San Jose in round one, it wasn't that I didn't believe in the team. Like they Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, one of them is on the ice at all times. Carlson leads the playoffs in assists. They got three amazing scoring lines. It was Martin Jones I didn't yeah. buy into. They had the worst save percentage in the entire league this year. And he was outside of the top 31 goalies in both save percentage and, and goals against. So obviously that's a weakness. And then the way the Vegas series started. Jones gets pulled twice in the first period. 
in the first four games, and it's looking like it's going to script, right? This is what we would expect. And then suddenly, game five, he turns it on. He's been amazing ever since then. The way he closed out game seven against Colorado, where they were buzzing, and he was making some some great saves in that last minute. I mean, he's really reminding us that he's a playoff goalie. Like, he's never had a really bad playoff run. Even in the Stanley Cup final against Pittsburgh, his save percentage, I believe, was up over 930 in the final against Matt Murray. Finished the playoffs with a 923. You know, you can say Martin Jones is an average, maybe slightly above average regular season goaltender. There's no question that his track record in the first 82 games is, is a little bit shaky. But in the playoffs... His history is very, very solid and is just coming around. So maybe there's something in his makeup, something sure. in his game. It's just, you know what? This guy performs on the biggest stage. In Game 7s, he's been excellent throughout his career, and and that's the X factor. They have everything else in place. They have everything else going for them. And now that Martin Jones is playing at such an elite level, it just really feels like and looks like everything is kind of coming into place at the right time for the San Jose Sharks, that they're hitting they're hitting their high notes perfectly against the blue notes is this this the end then for a bit of a cinderella st louis team i mean it's hard to say it's the end they could have won that game seven five one i will say that for what it's worth for sure like it's ridiculous was amazing so what's going to be tough and interesting to watch in this series is st louis is they're not a quick team like we talk about a lot where you need to be fast and everything in the league today they're not one of the faster teams but they are a great puck control team um, there's a lot of size on that roster, but it's their defense can be really tough. You, you go back to the first round series against Winnipeg game six that they closed out. Winnipeg had five or six shots total over the last two periods. The Dallas series game seven, Dallas has four shots total in periods two and three. Like on more than one occasion, that St. Louis defense in, in big, big moments, elimination games has come out and, completely shut down the opposite team. You know, Dallas was a two-line team by the end of it. Um, Winnipeg, obviously, two or maybe even three lines that they can throw at you. Like, these weren't bad offensive teams that they were shutting down. So now you look at San Jose, and Eric Carlson has, while he leads the league in, in assists, he is the, of all the remaining defensemen left, he is second worst in shot share. He is third worst in goal share at five on five. So while he can really break the game and create a goal at any moment, he's also susceptible to being dominated in his own end. And given that St. Louis has been really good at that to this point in the playoffs, you wonder if if that's a matchup that, you know, Carlson is going to be able to make a big play, but maybe he loses this war of attrition over a seven-game series. They really grind him down. You know, there's injury concerns with him. It's, it doesn't look like he's injured right now, but you you wonder about that dynamic too. It, it it depends on what kind of a series this is going to be. If it turns into a slow grind him out, that favors the St. Louis Blues, I think. So what's the pick? <laughs> Do you want to ask me what my pick is? Who am I going to curse here? I'm picking San Jose. So like I, I said, I was picking Vegas or San Jose from the start. And I had San Jose in the final, obviously, I'm picking San Jose. I have to admit I'm a little torn here, though, just because St. Louis is one of my second-tier teams. Never won the Cup. Classic, um, you know, outside the original six. They're part of the original expansion. Mm-hmm. You know, made the playoffs all those years in a row. And, and just, of course, having never won it, I, I always find they're kind of a team I'm pulling for a little bit. But so is San Jose now. You'd yes. love to see. I'd love to see Thornton win. Jill Pavelski, man. I mean, I referenced it earlier. 
How great was it to see him come back, not just come back, not just score, but to score the most Joe Pavelski goal ever, like yes. tipping it from the face-off circle, you know, tipping a a point shot when it's at two-thirds of the way to the net. Like that's that guy does that better than anyone who's ever put on skates and yeah. picked up a stick. Like that's who he is. And as far as guys to root for, you know, you want to root for Joe Thornton because of what we talked about, the cup before his, he retires. But I think this deserves a shout out to Pat Maroon. What a story that oh, was! Oh, no doubt. Um, and the closing out that last series, and his and his son Anthony. If he is able to win a Stanley Cup at home with St. Louis, his son in the crowd again. I mean, that would be a really special moment. I tweeted right after that. It was funny that after Maroon was done celebrating, he just started hugging every Dallas yeah. star in the handshake <laughs> line. Like, I don't know if they're feeling it quite as much, Pat. But good for you, pal. And most of them, I think, were like, "Yeah, no, it's okay, it's okay." So yeah. Um, yeah, quite a moment there, and uh, yeah, only one can get through, and we're both picking San Jose, and we will see how it shakes out, because it I, I do think it has the potential to be a very close one. Same thing in the East. Uh, Boston and Carolina, certainly by the overall standings, the Bruins would be favored, but you look at the, the second half of the year, S- St. Louis was right up there. Carolina near the top since Jan 1 and Boston as well. Lo and behold, those three teams do comprise three of the final four. Coming up, we're going to go deep into the Eastern Conference, talk Bruins, talk Canes, and a little Brad Marchand on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? Sportsnet Now is the product for you. Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all your favorite Sportsnet original programming, and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. I just want to start this segment by picking up on something I mentioned at the end of the last. Chris Johnson, Sportsnet's awesome reporter on the ground covering these Stanley Cup playoffs, tweeted out the top points percentages since Jan 1. Number one, Tampa Bay, 7-6-2. Number two, St. Louis, 7-2-2. Number three, Boston, 7-0-9. Number four, Carolina, 7-0-5. And if you're curious, San Jose, pretty much right there too. Number seven, 6-3-4. Boston, Carolina, 3-4 in there. I mean, we were talking about it when Tampa was just kept their foot on the floor. They basically didn't uh, put any more distance between the Bruins Mm -hmm. and and themselves for first place because, you know, Boston went basically 20 games with at least a point as well. I mean, I don't want to bring up difficult things for leaf fans, but it kind of felt like the bees were on the ropes there a little bit, not just being down in that first round series, but sort of felt like, Toronto was the better team at times and and Columbus too got up 2-1 on them but this Boston team relative to any team in the league but I think especially 
the out of the four left pretty steady at the rudder. Not yep. much is going to phase these guys. They have nope. seen it all. I mean, San Jose too, but Boston at least has the ring to really validate it. When you have Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron at the top yep. of your leadership chart, you don't get frazzled. No. And, and remember there was a, I think it was a little more than a month in that second half. There were the Bruins were still cruising without David Pasternak in their lineup. Yeah. You know, most teams would be crippled by, by a loss like that for such a long period of time. But um, you know, I think as far as the effect a player had on on his team's fortunes this season, the best trade at the deadline was Matt Zuccarello in Dallas. But the acquisitions of Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson to Boston, you know, there's the third line there that didn't exist before, and they were have been they great. took over the first part of that Columbus series, really. Yeah. The end of and the, the end of the lease, end, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, like Johansson is a bit more of a speedy skill guy and, and Coyle is the power forward playing down, down the middle there. And now you got Danton Heinen on, on the right side too. And, and he's a bit of a underappreciated product producer, I think too. So Boston's got three lines and, and, and again, against Toronto and against Columbus, they had to play two different kinds of games. No problem. They can do that too. You know, a lot of people get down on Tuka Rask, who tends to start the season slow, yeah. but there's no he's denying been, he's, he's been excellent. He's probably in the top two or three names you're going to mention for the Con Smythe right now, yeah. I would think. I game mean, seven was, against Toronto. And and the elimination game against uh, Columbus. He yep. was fantastic in that game. Yep, he comes up big. I mean, you're going to be without Charlie McAvoy for game one of this series. Right. He's serving a suspension. Um, but I think you can get by that. Like Boston... They didn't lead that Toronto series until they won it four games to three. You know, they fell behind to Columbus two games to one. No problem. Like, you can't worry about this team falling behind at any point in the series. Even if they get behind three to one, they're they're fully capable of coming back. I do think, though, that Carolina is going to be, I think they're going to be a tougher challenge than either Toronto or Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that they're a smothering team. They're, they're a smothering team. I think that they have the best defense core that Boston has faced yet. Um, their offense is is incredibly underrated. You talked about you know your records from January first on. Carolina had the second best offense in the entire league from January first on, behind only Tampa Bay, and that's not something that gets talked about a lot. And and again, Rod Brindamore, like anybody in that Carolina market was telling anybody who would listen that he should be a finalist for the Jack Adams because there's something about what he's done with this team. Um, and that has really shown itself in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I, I think, here. There there really is a, a coming together of that team. Everybody is is contributing something. You know, Tom Dundon, the owner, said, you know, something along the lines of he didn't want to boil it down to one factor, but he, Brindamore, is the one factor behind this team. So, you know, I think if you did the Jack Adams voting again, Brindamore's probably in the final. Yeah, well, anyone who saw the clip of him, after game seven, when they eliminated the caps would be like, that's my guy. Yes. (laughs) That's my guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, who's not the media's guy right now, Brad Marchand. (laughs) I was actually just thinking as we were about to talk about this, it's too bad too, because Marchand is, can be so playful and like tweeting the Mitch Marner trolling the lead. Like that's all we've talked about on this show, how fun that is. Yep. And you know, I don't want to make light of, some of the stuff he does on the ice too, because punching people in the back of the heads and being the dirty player, he has proven himself to be um, can have a very harmful effect on people's brains. And he can talk to teammate Marcus Johansson about that. Cause yep. he's one of the victims of a flying elbow. And I've always tried to be careful to not be unconditionally 
for Marchand's quote unquote antics because some of it you can argue whether it's in or not even argue some of it is in bad taste but you could still maybe be filed under fun the stuff where you're damaging people's brains you mm-hmm. know I really think you have to draw a line yep but now this uh terse if we would call it that interaction back and forth lack of back and forth he's uh, having with the media apparently unhappy with the coverage of either himself or the Bruins. I mean, they just eliminated Columbus and he's giving one word answers to sports. And that's Kyle Bukakis yep. on the ice. We thought maybe that was just a personal thing. He wasn't happy with something Kyle asked him earlier in the series, but then he's basically answers 20 questions in 40 words yep. afterwards in the room. Do you have a take on this standoffish uh, stance we're seeing from Mr. Marchand. It's just he's petulant. Yeah. Like what? What is the point of this? You know, I was watching the the post game avail, not not the Bikoskis interview, but the but the in the room in the room avail. Best way to describe great. Would you care to elaborate? Nope. Would you guys be here without the way he's played? Do you think? No. How much energy can you guys play off of whenever he's making stops like that? A lot. Did uh, it took a look dented to you? <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> well, the short answers, Brad. Next. How good does it feel? Uh, it's been a while since you guys went to the conference finals. How good does it feel to be back? It's good. Where'd you get that outfit? China. Ah. What was the difference from being down 2-1 in the series to winning the last three? We won. When you look at the way he is. Yeah, we're done. Do you uh, have a bet on how few words you're going to say in this? Maybe. (laughs) What's been able to separate the way you guys have played on the road in the playoffs? I don't know. Anybody say anything interesting to you in the handshake line? Is this one of the more solid professional wins that you've had in the postseason? Not really, but it's a good one. What do you think about Carolina? Pretty good. Will you be happy to get a rest? Yes. Are you happy to not hear the cannon tonight? Yes. You feeling a little crispy tonight? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Just because. To me, it's it wasn't funny. It wasn't creative. It was like, why, why are you doing this? It's not entertaining I don't think I'm sure Bruins fans are getting a kick out of it and, and that's fine whatever but it, you know you have an obligation um at all times but especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs to to talk and it's not that it's not that he's freezing out the media he's also freezing out the fans who want to hear what he's got to say too you know like he's, he's disrespecting everybody in that regard and I think Kelly Rudy I mean really nailed it on the head with with his take on on what Brad Marchand was doing and it's time for this guy to grow up. He's just so immature. And, you know, he's not that clever. And, you know, like you said, he thinks he's above everybody else in terms of that kind of... And, you know, it just... I thought last year, after the licking, he'd be, we'd be past this. He's going to be 31 in a month. Like, at what age do you sort of grow up a little bit and go, you know, I just got to be a better guy? Because he's a wonderful hockey player. Yes. I love watching, but what's up, bud? You know, I, I thought that maybe he was getting that on-ice crap out of his game. He hasn't been suspended since January 2018, the Marcus Johansson hit. 
but he's also he's always susceptible to do those little antics on the ice, which don't hurt anybody, and that's fine. Whatever. That's that's the kind of player he is. But then the punch to Harrington's head, you know, that was born out of frustration. Um, his coach Bruce Cassidy said it, it tends to happen when he goes on bad stretches. He was on a four-game pointless streak. He finished with four points in his last three games, so that's fine. But if all it takes to get him to risk a suspension yeah. at this time of year is four games without a point in the playoffs, to me, like he clearly hasn't learned anything. And then the way he did that with the media, it's getting talked about a lot, and I'm tired of hearing about it. And which is kind of ironic because we're now talking about it here. But it's it's just. He's now going to be asked that question the next time this series starts when he's going to be talking to the media. It sounds like the teams talk to him um, about this. I think Ron McLean was right, too, that maybe the league warns him about this time. If he does it again and isn't speaking to the media, fine him. He's he, Again, he's got an obligation to the media and the fans to say something and not act like the, the child that he did. Last thing I'll say about it is I understand a lot of people out there are more sympathetic to the player side. Like, why do they have to answer these guys' stupid questions anyways? This is what I would tell you, uh, or one thing I would tell you about this. Those guys live a pretty good life. If the worst part of your day lasts four minutes and you can basically shut your brain off and go on cruise control and just say a bunch of things to accommodate the the needs of other people i don't think it's asking too much that you can give four minutes of your day back and Mm -hmm. um when you're incapable of doing that i think you nailed it petulance a perfect word so we will see what happens this becomes a subplot let's flip back to the on ice like you said you think carolina is ready to give them a real go are you ready to pick another canes upset oh boy you know i'm i'm almost i'm almost there um it it really is goaltending. I it's still hard for me to buy into Peter Morazic if he plays, um, and if he doesn't, Curtis McElhaney. I mean, obviously they've both been really good this year, but you know, with what Boston's going to be able to throw at them, they just they're still susceptible to just having a bad run, and and then it's all over for for Carolina. Um, so I do worry about that, but I think. This is the series that Sebastian Aho probably comes into the mainstream as a star in this league if he has a good series. Like we all know that he's he puts up a lot of points, but now you're in the semifinals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're playing against a huge market. A big series is going to go a long way there, and it's important for him to score. It's important for Justin Williams, Tavo Teravine, and we know that. But what Carolina has on their third line, assuming he stays there and doesn't get moved up, is something that Boston doesn't have an answer to, and that's Andrei Svechnikov. And... The first two games of the Washington series, he was one of Carolina's better players. He scored two goals in game one against Washington, and everything was looking like it was falling into place for this guy. Second overall pick just last summer. And then he gets to that fight with Alex Ovechkin. He gets injured. He misses the rest of that series, the start of the next one. But then when he gets back into the lineup, his his, his ice time is dropping low again as he gets his legs back under him. But the second game back, again, he was excellent. He got a couple points. It's that kind of dynamic player where you know you need your top two lines to create some offense against this team, but to have a second overall pick who averaged nearly a goal per game in the OHL last year, like really an excellent goal scorer, as on your third line, Boston doesn't have that. Coyle and Johansson and Heinen, that's a great third line, but none of those guys have the same pedigree as Andrei Svechnikov. I get the sense you're picking a narrow Boston victory. This one's... Yeah, you know, if Carolina's goalies hold up, I think they win this series. I think it's going to go the distance either way. Um, but I think 
when it comes down to it, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's going to be hard to pick against Boston. You know what? I'm going to pick Carolina. I, I was just about to make a last second switch. That's so funny. I was, I was literally on the verge of going, ah, I'm going to pick Boston too. And then I thought, no, I'm going to take Carolina. All right. I love it. A, a little uh, impromptu mood swing here in the tape to tape studio. Last second Kane's submission. A, a San Jose Carolina final, man. You know what? Those aren't those aren't sexy place names for a lot of fans in Canada. But, that's but that fun. would be one hell of a series. Hey, man, uh, those Carolina fans haven't seen this team do much for ten years, and you know it's one. It, it, I understand there's that desire to get the signature teams in the final here in Canada. I guess to get a Canadian team through, but you've got to nourish those markets that haven't seen anything. Yep. And not that we're not going to get into this at the end of the pod, but you know I'm not going to hold it against fans who don't want to go see. Uh, a team that year after year falls short of doing anything worthy of their yeah. attention. Right. I mean, yep. enjoy it. Barbecue tailgate. Yep. Let's make it as fun as possible Absolutely. for everyone and it, entertaining. And you know what? San Jose, Carolina, both of those arenas when Rockin'. when they're winning, Yes, Rock and Carolina's, like you say, got the tailgate going. Embrace it. It's going to be great. People in Canada don't get on your high horse about, Oh, no one there cares. It, it's never going to be in the blood in all these places the way it is in Canada, but that doesn't mean when you get 18,000 people in the building. This just in, Americans are boisterous and they're good at being fans. Yes. They're really good at it, and it makes for a really fun atmosphere. So yes. let's just enjoy it instead of carping about it. That's it. All right, make sure before you do anything, you go to sportsnet.ca and you read Rory's series previews, breaking things down into minute detail. Check out Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. As always, we'll play it by ear during the playoff season. We may jump in, check your feed. We may jump in at some point during uh, the conference final and, and give our take on what's going on. You may also not hear from us until it's time to tee up the Stanley Cup final. My God, we're almost at that time of year. So keep refreshing that feed listeners and check back soon for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape.